Randy Tobler's Truth Warrior, Woke Destroyer on News Talk STL. Now, uh, Angela Plow joins us. She's a clinical psychologist and an Air Force uh, veteran and um, trying to help us sort out what's going on in our schools. Um, welcome to the Randy Tobler Show, Angela. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me on. So you heard the caller there. We were just we were just having some fun with Jen Psaki and crying when she was implying that the parental rights bill down in Florida, uh, improperly named by even the even the Wall Street Journal, has shame on them. They've called it the gay. Don't say gay bill. It says nothing about that. Um, but th- that's just the tip of the iceberg in terms of trying to thwart uh, validation of that kind of education. There's actually assertive, proactive indoctrination programs like for instance that were uh, espoused in in new jersey right that's right yeah no and it's happening everywhere it's happening here in oregon and i think we've been some of the worst culprits here and so you know your caller asked a question about you know how how prevalent is this essentially and you know the prevalence rate for gender dysphoria is 0.005 percent of the general population Okay. So, well, I'm going to multiply that out, but that's 0.005%, right? So it's an incredibly small number, and yet this has become the talk of the show, the town, the state, the nation. (laughs) And, you know, we're we're spending an awful lot of energy on what is really a very small problem. And and yet we have uh, the the left continues to want to somehow convince us that we need to every time a child expresses any doubt or any kind of a different oh, maybe I'd like to I'm a girl and I want to you know cut my hair like a boy or I'm a boy and I I want to get a Kenner you know an easy bake oven boy that's boy that dates me doesn't it um, you know and do something traditionally girl like you know well that that doesn't give that that shouldn't give our our schools license to, you know, run with the ball, right? Isn't that where you're coming from? Absolutely. They are absolutely not trained. They have no experience or training in how to assess someone for this. And they certainly have no business being in there trying to help someone transition. And so, you know, what the research tells us is that even if a child does feel like they have gender dysphoria or that they are the the wrong sex or the opposite sex um, when they're a child, by the time they reach adulthood, only 6 to 23% of them still feel that way in adulthood. So you're transitioning kids that very likely will not feel or not still have gender dysphoria as an adult. And that's the problem. And in too many cases, if this thing gets uh, gets too much wind behind its sails, these children are going to be forever modified. And by the way, we don't know the long term effects of puberty blocking drugs or post-pubertal, you know, introduction of, you know, uh, contra-gender hormones. We don't know that, much less to speak about, you know, cutting off body parts and and modifying. And, you know, uh, it just, it doesn't make sense to make permanent changes in children that, as you said, that's the number I was looking for. Can you please go over that again? So if you took 100 kids at at age whatever, you know, 4, 5, 6, 8, 10, um, a hundred kids who express some gender dysphoric behavior or, or uh, sentiments. At what age then would we then say, and what age was it judged that they would then either have reverted to sort of their normal biologic sex or, you know, the, uh, the opposite? Is that by age 18 or 20 that it's pretty much going to be set in stone or not? Um, not 
that, not that it's necessarily set in stone, but that by the time they they reach adulthood, so you know around the age eighteen, they are comfortable in their skin. They're comfortable in whatever sex um, they were born as, and so. Okay. And, and so that's a huge percentage. And we're, and we're talking about like very few people. You know, like I said, the, the rate of gender dysphoria is 0.005. And so when you take that small percentage of people and then you multiply it by however, like a high school, so you might have one kid that actually yeah. has gender dysphoria. But yet when you take very impressionable children and you tell them, oh, well, are you sure? Are you sure? You know, you, you do like boy things. Are you sure that doesn't make you a boy? It's okay for you. And, and then they applaud them and they get all kinds of accolades and they get all kinds of attention. Then what do you think is going to happen? They're going to continue to say, oh, yes, please. You know, I am now a boy. So treat me that way. I get special attention from the teachers. I get special treatment at school. I get to do special things that the other kids don't get to do. Every kid wants to still feel special. And so when you make them feel special for admitting something or agreeing to something that they might not actually believe. And it's coercion. It really is. And that's extremely damaging. Well, that's that's see, that's what I wanted to emphasize. And I wanted to because I, I have made statements on the program based on my knowledge, my interviews with other psychologists. And I'm glad you've confirmed this, that, you know, kids are very malleable and very suggestible, like you said, all the way up until adulthood. And it's natural for them, isn't it? Uh, at least in a, in, in a reasonable percentage of kids, especially in that tweenish age group, to, to be experimenting with their identity. It's not unusual. But as you said, the vast majority are going to gravitate to their generic birth, their genetic birth sex. And that's what yeah, troubles me. We, we're opening the floodgates for suggestibility to these children. And I think that is a, that is a societal harm. It just, it's child abuse in my, in my estimate. I don't know. Yeah, I would absolutely agree with that. And, you know, right now we're applying a policy or these different policies in these different uh, school districts to a general population. So the, the things that they're talking about doing are things that come out of the very um, poorly designed studies and that show that it's you want to do these things for kids that maybe have a high suicide risk because they do have gender dysphoria well let's apply it just to those kids instead of applying it to everyone because there's no single study out there that actually talks about the harms that are done to kids that have no question about their gender when you start teaching them this stuff Angela Plows with us and uh, she's a candidate for, uh, for Congress in Oregon and a clinical psychologist as well. What are parents to do to teach their kids that there will be kids who are different from you? Is is it any different when you approach a child who says, hey, you know, that kid's not, you know, that kid is, uh, you know, has a, disab a disability, has a birth defect. Uh, that kid is different color than me. That kid has a lisp. That kid has a stuttering problem. Uh, that kid has two moms. What's your general advice for how parents might approach when their children <laughs> are around others who are different? And kids will do that, right? And, of course, we none of us want any of our kids to bully anyone because of difference. So any suggestions there as to how to handle that? Yeah, you know, I think just like you said, you know, we address bullying in general. We don't have to be that specific with it. You know, we just talk about how we treat people with kindness and we go back to the golden rule, right? You treat others as you want to be treated. And so, you know, you don't want to be bullied. Don't bully the other kid. 
you know, just teach them general lessons in uh, decorum. You know, this is how we get along with people. This is how we avoid conflict. Well, and every kid needs to know that. That is such uh, salient advice. Now, you're a candidate for uh, uh, the U.S. House of Representatives in Oregon's 6th Congressional District. Are, are you in a, I mean, I think of Oregon as being pretty blue, at least in the urban centers. But, uh, you know, uh, I've got relatives that live in, uh, um, you know, more rural Oregon. Are you in a are you in a red or blue district there? So my district is a plus 3D. Um, however, you know, what we have found here in Oregon, so there's about three voting blocks. So there's the Democrats, the Republicans, and then we have an actually larger group of unaffiliated voters. And so they don't belong to either party. Um, and they're really conservative. They're, about 70% of them are extremely conservative. And so I think I don't think Oregon is a blue state. I think we've been led to believe that it's a blue state. But I think we have, especially in the district that I'm in, I think we have a very winnable chance. And actually, I think we have a chance of taking four of our six congressional districts and turning them red this year. Wow. Well, I tell you, with a with a resume like yours, uh, an, an Air Force veteran, a Ph.D. clinical psychologist, and uh, with, uh, of course, with this issue being such a hot-button issue and with the precedent we saw in Virginia for the governor's race, I'm thinking Angela Plowhead has a really good chance. you have a website in case people want to stay in touch with you? Absolutely. They can come support me. They can invest in, in turning our country red um, at letsfixthis.us. <laughs> I like that. That's very nice. Hey, thanks for joining me. Appreciate your expertise. All the best to you. And thanks for your service Thank to the country. Thank you very country. much. Right. Absolutely. You take there care. she is. Bye. Angela Plowhead. Well, and uh, so it's important that we uh, really parse these numbers out, Max. When, you know, we were talking with Angela and I got to thinking, okay, 0.005%. So I have to take off my socks and shoes and, you know, I'm running out of digits to count here. But my calculation is if you take a population of 330,000, it's somewhere around 10,000 people in America are transgender, if you look at those numbers. And I, and that's, that's, um, those are that's the number of biological women who, you know, transition. It's actually smaller for men that go the other way. Um, I think it's like point oh oh two percent. So it's a small number. And I guess it could be argued right either way. You could say, well, what are you conservatives making a big deal of? And my my comment would be, I didn't fire the first shot. <laughs> I, I regularly in a lot of places, have been with my children, with my wife, and obviously transgender people. Uh, I was in showbiz for a long time, playing at the Fox and the Muni, and lots of people of all different kinds of identities and stripes and colors. I, I didn't care. And it didn't bother me. That's not the point. The point is, I think they're making a big point of flashing and trying to um, trying to indoctrinate young people, and we've got it. If you look at libs of TikTok, I mean, that's there's video after video after video of you know these people not just being who they are, but trying to make everyone like who they are and want to be who they are, and somehow wanting to celebrate who they are. 
I don't ask anyone to celebrate the fact I'm heterosexual, you know, and Wait have a, a wife that's... You're heterosexual? You know? What? Yeah, I know. No, and, we just played that clip last week. And I have a wife week. who's, oh. you know, really sexy and hot, and I'm really very, very lucky to be... I don't walk around telling kindergartners, hey, man, if you can, try to go out and hook up with as many babes as you can. You know, now, I don't see, do I, that. I do walk around telling people how hot my wife is. So that's just yeah, the difference well, okay. between the two of us, you know. <laughs> no, we just played that clip last week of that teacher who was... Talking to his students uh, about about his partner. Remember that, and going going paddleboarding and all of that. Yeah, I know. Do you, Max? Do you feel as though you're a very lucky guy because your wife is a lot hotter than you oh, are? Oh man, you know, yeah. it's the whole yeah. outkicking your your coverage. I oh. mean, absolutely. Oh man, hundred percent. Yeah, I think of that. Too. Was it was it the dirt cheap ads that were like the more she drinks, the better you look? That's right. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's my motto in life. Hey, have another drink. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the luckiest guy in the world, I'm telling you. Well, uh, Jen Psaki gets worked up over over things. And uh, the other day, Chris Wallace was interviewing her. And uh, they had a little back and forth about the whole, the whole indoctrination thing. Don't parents have a right to have concern? I mean, we're talking specifically here about teaching about sex in kindergarten through third grade. I have to say, as a parent, I would have problems with that. But the law is not about teaching sex education. It's about teaching about gender identity. And so what what do you do if a parent or a kid, should I say a kid in one of these elementary schools says, what about Sally? Sally has two moms or I'm not sure if I'm a girl or a boy. I mean, these are kids who are experiencing, um, you know, these moments in their lives. I also think that these are not there is not a big record of there being either sex education or extensive gender identity education in these schools. And this is creating a problem or a political cudgel about an issue that I don't think exists. I think she's wrong. I mean, we have evidence of uh, what the New Jersey that it was it was going to be public policy in New Jersey. I think they reeled it back in. Uh, there was a school in Illinois. Was it in Chicago or somewhere in Illinois? Where I mean, it's out there. The, the well, curriculum is proactively asking, engaging young children who are impressionable. As Angela said, they're in a very impressionable, vulnerable, plastic age, if you will, in terms of the way they they think about the world and themselves. And and it's one thing to, to answer the question, yeah, I have a uh, I have a husband, you know, if a guy says that, okay, fine, that's it, done. It's another thing to have it as part of the curriculum that this is something you should consider. I think those are two vastly different things. And Jen Psaki contradicts herself because at first she says these kids are, are experiencing gender dysphoria. And then she says, but this isn't actually happening. The teachers aren't, right. aren't talking about it. Well, hang on. Five seconds yeah. ago, you just said that these kids are, are talking about it. And now you're saying it's a problem that doesn't exist. It, it, so she contradicts herself within 20 seconds. Yeah, and, and that's the problem. If it's not such a big deal, why are they making such a big deal of it? And if a law just asks them not to do something that is really not being done, why are you worried about it? You know, um, it's sort of like it's it's the old question. It's like, officer, go ahead, search me. I have nothing to hide versus why are you searching me? I have um, I have constitutional rights. Right, there you go. <laughs> and and that those are those are healthy discussions. Well, I think it's time that we open up. The Disney, uh, let me rub my Aladdin's lamp and see what comes up. Let's see, I'm rubbing, rubbing. Let's see what happens. Oh, look what popped out. The Disney DeSantis genie <laughs> is, and I'm thinking uh, about the Aladdin, you know, the the, the, the big uh, 
uh, character in Aladdin, you know, the big uh, genie coming out of the bottle here. Is that DeSantis? Uh, is it Chapek? Uh, who is the genie in this one? We don't know how this is all going to work out. But this week, uh, the legislature passed the anti-woke law, if you will, um, pushing back against Disney. Took away special privileges that the district in which Disney resides is essentially an autonomous zone within the state of Florida uh, that was formed to you know, attract and, I guess, encourage Disney to, to, to start their enterprise down there, which has become obviously you know an iconic worldwide travel attraction. And uh, in the wake of Chapek going from neutrality to full in with the, uh, at least stated by their executives on uh, videos that have been, uh, you know, shown and gone viral, that they're going to then uh, espouse content that is uh, very pro-LGBTQ. The legislature says, fine, you're going to act that way. We're taking away your special district rights. And now you're going to have to act like everyone else. Wow, it's an interesting conversation, and we'll have that. 314-912-1019. I know Max has some thoughts. I have some thoughts. We'll talk about that, and we'll hear your thoughts when we come back here on News Talk STL 1019-941. Welcome home. Welcome back to the program. It's 26 after the hour. We'll talk with Virginia Cruda in the next segment at 745. Coming up at 806. Oh, I can't wait to talk with Tim Jones. I wasn't able to make the Defense of Liberty event the other day on Thursday evening with uh, Donald Trump Jr. and Seth Dillon. And uh, Tim was the MC, so he'll fill us in on the goings-on then. And then at 845, we'll talk to Scott Yanor about his uh, The Recovery of Family Life book. And he has caught holy hell from the feminists. I'm telling you, it's been ugly. But I think he's having a lot of fun with it. So we will have some fun with him, too. We're talking Disney. The DeSantis uh, legislature in Florida coalition that has uh, basically spanked Disney and has taken away their special district status. So let's talk to Tom, who's on the line now. If you want to weigh in, it's 314-912-1019. How you doing, Tom? I'm doing fantastic. You know, first of all, my, my first thoughts on this is I wonder if Walt Disney is turning over in his grave right now. <laughs> Well, what do you think? I mean, is this retribution or is it actually, uh, uh, you know, there's two thoughts on this. I think many people are saying uh, on the conservative side, hey, you know, if Chapek would have stood by his guns and stayed neutral, everything, this would not happen. On the other hand, people are saying, what business does government have telling a private company what kind of a stance they want to take with their content or with their public statements? Well, uh, you know, first of all, it's it's just it's it's a shame that we've you know uh, that we've gone from this because uh, I, I mean they're, they're they're trying to get at our kids, okay? And now uh, I'm going to be 70 years old this year in June, and uh, I'm not worried about me because I ain't got too much longer. You know, I got another 20 25 years left here. But uh, oh, come on, you're what do you mean? You got 30, 40? Come on. <laughs> so, but uh, uh, at any rate, it's just, I mean, it's a shame, you know, we're, we're now seeing what, what's being called, uh, who is it, uh, that, uh, that there, uh, one, of the, one of the morning talk show hosts, uh, uh, Vic, I guess it is, uh, everything, what's that word, that one word that he coined, and everything they say is the opposite. <laughs> yeah. It's just, oh, that's it's uh, Vic. Vic has that, Vic. what is that, everything... 
they say is the etoidus or something. Yeah, I know it's Vic's yeah, coined yeah. that new but, that new but, phrase, but that new acronym. But, yeah. You know, but what they're calling uh, now, what they're calling good, they're calling evil, and what's evil, they're calling good, and it's it just, um, you know. I'm sorry. I mean, if you want to be gay or identify as gay or whatever, I mean, that's that's your business, okay? But I got news for you. Uh, if you go down, if you're trying to put something together, you need a nut and a bolt. If, if you don't have a nut and a bolt, you ain't going to put that thing together, okay? I mean, uh, I mean, it's plain and simple. <laughs> so, anyway, okay. but... Thanks for thanks so, for all you guys. Do. So you're uh, you're okay with DeSantis and the legislature saying, "All right, you went and went too far this time, Disney. You should have stayed to your business of uh, taking care, you know, a Space Mountain and Epcot Center, and uh, take good care of the kids and the families. And enough of this, you know, weighing in on the political issues. Stay in your lane. I I I, I am okay. I am okay. So. All right. But well, thanks. we'll we'll. We're going to have an interesting discussion here because I think I think Max may have a different feeling based on some initial conversation. My feeling is that the left, the progressive left, Max, the LGBTQ have gone too far. It's one thing to say, tolerate us, tolerate me, don't discriminate, discriminate against me. It's another thing, and we've played those those uh, libs of TikTok videos. We've played, uh, from the Disney perspective, the executives who were caught on an executive call saying, we must have affirmative action in our content. We must have uh, trans and queer and gender, binary, blah, blah, blah. And we're, that's the way we're headed. And, and if that's where they're going to play, that we're going to be in your face about it, it's time that the people speak and they are speaking through their ledges, their elected representatives to say, no, enough, stop it. And uh, I, I think in this case, if the rules are going to be down and dirty and sharp elbows, we can play by those rules on the right. And the Florida legislature and Governor DeSantis are doing that. What say you? I think this legislation hurts the state of Florida. And I wonder what Floridians really think about this. A little bit of background on Reedy Creek. So Reedy Creek was created in 1967 to help persuade Disney, Walt Disney himself, yeah. to to expand his theme park uh, in Florida. He was actually looking right. at St. Louis. We have a bit of skin right. in this game. Uh, there were plans for the St. Louis area to hold Walt Walt Disney World. You know, Walt Disney was, was from Marceline and one in, of, in mid-Missouri. And one yeah. of the reasons why Orlando got it, which, by the way, there was nothing in Orlando. It was all orange groves and swamp. There was nothing there. It did not look as attractive to Walt mm -hmm. as St. Louis. Uh, but, but when he was talking to the then leaders of Florida, they were concerned about uh, having enough security, police, fire departments on this land. And Walt was like, well, if you give us autonomy, we can handle all of that. And the state of Florida said, well, you have you have to be responsible for operating and maintaining your roads in that district, all the mm -hmm. public roads, the the bridges. And Disney said, "Fine, we'll make that deal in exchange for this land and for mm -hmm. this autonomy." And so Disney, of course, at the time was not the giant juggernaut that it is now. Nobody could have mm -hmm. could have known that they were going to expand that much, but it put Orlando. On the map, Orlando now is a gigantic small town. Uh, of course, they have an NBA team. You know, they. Uh, I, I was reading that I think fifteen percent of the population around Central Florida works for the Mouse. They are gigantic, as everyone knows. But they also take care of all of that tax money. They take care of all of those bond money. I mean, they are autonomous. 
this legislation taking that special Reedy Creek district away from Disney puts that onus back on taxpayers to now maintain the the police department, the fire department, those roads, those bridges, everything that Disney has taken care of and that people work for in the state of Florida. Now you're going to be possibly working for Disney and then paying for Disney's up, upkeep, which means are you actually making any of that money? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, but the thing that makes me uncomfortable and what we talked about off the air is had this been something that DeSantis didn't like six months ago, had he said, you know, this Reedy Creek district, which has existed since 1967, I'm uncomfortable with it. And I don't like Disney getting all of this special privilege. We're going to take that district away from them. I would have had that conversation. But this is such a Trumpian move from from this governor where it's a very punitive thing. I'll give one more little small thing of uh, background on uh, Bob Shapik, who is the new Walt Disney CEO. He is not liked by the shareholders. He's not liked by Disney fans. We've gone from Bob Iger, who revitalized Star Wars we and, yep. and Marvel. We went from Michael Eisner, who, of course, had the wonderful world of Disney back in the 80s, uh, now to Bob Shapik, who has been viewed as very spineless in this role. And he's, he's really, uh, the, the Disney fans have not liked him from day one. Well, in this story, he told the shareholders, I called the governor this morning to express our disappointment and concern that if this legislation becomes law, it could be used to unfairly target kids and, and families. But he did this a day after the bill was passed. So even even his supporters said, wow, this is a very spineless thing because you you spoke up a day after it was passed. So you've actually <laughs> done nothing. And not only did he do nothing, but now DeSantis is saying, OK, you don't like my legislation. We're taking this district away. I'm uncomfortable with any politician doing something so punitive like that to a, a private business. Now, obviously, Disney is a giant behemoth. I understand we can have the discussion. Should they have Reedy Creek? I would say, yes, it's benefited the state of Florida in a huge way. Uh, but I, I think it's it's petty and it makes me uncomfortable for DeSantis to do this because it, it, it's simply because the CEO said, I don't like your bill. You can say that as a CEO. You have the right to say we don't like your bill. They haven't. I mean, I don't know. I just I. Well, but Max, what about the fact that the Disney that is now in place in their autonomous district is not the same Disney that was granted that accommodation 50 years ago, right? 55, 60 years ago. And that and that they have now, and their stated policy, per their executives, we it's on tape. Mm -hmm. The videos are out there. I'll see right. if I can grab it here. Maybe we'll play it when Virginia comes on. Uh, you know, that that's their stated policy with all of their leadership. It's been co-opted by the far left and... I mean, all indications are they're headed that direction. And but the argument from are, DeSantis and the legislature is, hey, don't go there. Because every time we try to, you know, look what happened with, you know, woke got out of hand because conservatives being principled people have said, you know, hey, that's fine. We're, we understand. Be who you want to be. And the next thing you know, they're trying to tell our kids to be who they want to be. How that's does the this, problem. How does this move benefit the state of Florida? And 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 the taxpayers in Florida. Well, the how taxpayers does that, in the area. How does that? They're going to get. They're going to get the property tax that Disney is contributing to the district. I mean, that will now be dispersed in the neighboring districts or in the state, so that those those support services and infrastructure can be supported. I, I don't. Think. I don't. I don't see how this benefits 
the tax yeah. play, the taxpayers in Florida. I say you let Disney be their own company, do whatever they want. Mm-hmm. They can disagree with the governor. That's fine. Yeah. You can do that in this country. You can disagree with a governor. I, I, I don't like a, a leader taking a punitive approach to disagreement. That seems strange to me. If I own a shop and I don't like my governor and the shop goes, fine, we're taking away your, your tax breaks. Boy, that's not that doesn't sound good to me. It doesn't sound like a great American yeah. ideal. Well, I, maybe maybe we can agree on this. Maybe we shouldn't give tax breaks to anyone in the first place. You plant your you plant your business where you think the market conditions, the environment, the 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 the, the landscape, whatever the environment. The, 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 is it a four season state? Is it a two seasons? Whatever. You, you plant wherever it's better. I mean, that's what the whole tax credit argument, of course, in Missouri is mm-hmm. always a hot and heavy one, right? Mm-hmm. Remember the remember the story about the West County Mall and the blighted enterprise zones? And, oh, really? That's West County at Manchester and, and 270 is a blighted zone? Hmm, that's very interesting. You know what I mean? So that so that wealthy developers can come in and get some kind of a tax break and not pay the taxes when parents, you know, have, and grandparents have to pay it for their school. Well, so and, I've, I've never been Florida, in favor of that. And had Florida not done that to woo Walt Disney down there, yeah. St. Louis would have benefited and we would have had the mouse here. Think about how different that would have made St. Louis. You know, I think I think that this law is not going to affect Disney as much as the behavior of people that decide not to, to unsubscribe from Disney plus or who decide to, well, Disney, uh, Disney stock has tanked. I mean, it is the whole market, which by the way, we haven't talked about at all. Don't take a look at your 401k. It's in the tank, but um, Disney stock is one of the worst performers on the market recently. And you can't help but think that, yeah, some of it may be the same reason Netflix is not performing well Mm -hmm. on other streamers, because now that people are getting out and about and seeing live entertainment and going to the outdoor places and going to Powder Valley and hiking and whatever. I'm much more comfortable with the free market uh, deciding what happens to a company rather than a politician. Yeah. But we've talked about it before. You're not you're not a boycotter. You're not. You no, know, no, no, no. I know. You know, Tony Colombo, a uh, great host here at News Talk STL, made a great point where he talked about when you buy an album from a band, do you vet the bass player's political views? Sometimes people do. Uh, I'm not one of those people, uh, you know, but I, I don't know. I, I just I try to put the, the flip test on this, uh, you know, a famously conservative company like a MyPillow or a Chick-fil-A. If they had had a governor come down on them and saying, we're, we're taking away this deal that we had because we don't like what you said i can't imagine conservatives would be okay with that i think it's easy to to get upset because it's disney (laughs) you're right hey that's if chick-fil-a was in new york or california would there be a reverse blue law that they have to be open on sundays (laughs) how how would people react to that's a good point it's very interesting max well a good discussion and i know that conservatives of, uh, of both sides will and libertarians will land on both sides of the fence but uh perhaps we'll have some time in the rest of the show to talk about it and we're going to talk about it with virginia cruda get her take in just a minute when we come back here on the randy tobler show on news talk sdl 1019 Thanks for being with us. Really glad that you're here. We'll be back in a few minutes. Randy Tobler, Truth Warrior, Woke Destroyer on News Talk STL. Well, we're back and it's always fun to talk to Virginia Cruda, have her weigh in on the talk of the day and the topics of the week. And uh, so we welcome her again this morning. How are you doing, Virginia? Thanks for being on. I'm doing well. How are you? 
So perhaps you've heard the raging debate, and Max says, uh, no retribution zone here. Don't have legislators and governors take it out on private companies with a position on the culture. And I say, well, wait a minute. They they had a special status because they were in their lane taking care of, you know, broadcasting, communicating, and entertaining families and children. And now they want to indoctrinate them. At least that's what their stated goal is. Where does Virginia Cruda stand on this? Here's what I would say. If Disney had released a statement, I I assume we're talking about Disney in the state of Florida because that's the biggest example going on right now. But if Disney had released a statement saying we don't like this law that just passed and then moved on, we wouldn't be having this conversation. But what Disney did was say we don't like this law that just passed and we are going to organize against the party in power in the state where we have special privileges, and we are going to fight back legislatively with our lobbyists. Okay? That's what they said. So to then say, okay, for the state to say, well, we don't like that idea, so we're going to make a preemptive fight uh, strike back, to me, that's a little different than the state saying, okay, well, we don't like this particular company's political position, so we're going to punish them. Yeah. And I don't think that's... They're, that, they're trying that hasn't to gotten it, out there about their political activism. I was, I was right. highlighting their stated intent to now, you know, proactively um, espouse and communicate through their content a LGBTQ right. well, again, plus... That's not something that the state would necessarily fight back on as far as um, their tax status. Okay, and and of course, what 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 kills me about this is that there are all these people out there saying, well, what would the state of Florida do if Disney just shut down or Disney just sold the, the park and left or whatever? First of all, they're assuming that Disney is willing to take the loss. Because how many employees would they... This is a horrible, horrible business model if Disney is willing to leave a state where they have no personal income tax or like no state income tax for their employees. And they have other benefits even outside this tax district that they have. Okay, just because they live in Florida. Mm -hmm. And they would be punishing their employees. Second of all, do they really not think Florida is going to recover? I mean, there's all this land that all these rides and everything else. What do you think is going to happen? Six Flags is going to buy it and rebrand it, and they're going to reopen and hire just as many people to do just as much work, and they won't have that special tax status anymore. Florida comes out ahead. It might take a couple of years, but Florida doesn't suffer if Disney leaves. Not yeah. to the degree that people think they might. Well, and by making a statement of where Florida stands from a just a cultural standpoint, yeah, I think they're going to attract other businesses and people, as I've already done. There's this great migration there, um, and so I think, yeah. you know, culturally they win. That has some uh, some ripple effects in their favor. Now, Max, you were making the argument that um, financially, uh, you know, because of the uh, the tax increased taxes that others will have to pay now to support things that Disney won't. 
potentially, that's a problem, right? Well, I mean, I just wonder how the taxpayers will feel, and I wonder if this will come back to bite the governor, if it will look like folly on his part, because you have things that maybe people haven't thought about, like building inspectors. It's going to, it's a lot of things to inspect, <laughs> or, you know, at road right. upkeep. I mean, this would fall on taxpayers now. Well, to a degree, yes, but some of that, like, obviously, if Disney leaves, or or if Disney stays and the tax status changed, a lot of this is going to fall on Disney because now the, the the roads leading into the area and and things like that, yes, that's going to fall on the taxpayers for sure. But when you talk about the things that are actually inside the park that Disney owns, all of that falls on Disney. Now that that might fall on some of the Disney employees as well because you know Disney's going to pass it down, but. And it may it change park prices, although you can't get much higher and still expect <laughs> people to come. Uh, so, uh, you know, they're already there. What I think is interesting, though, is if you look at this battle, since this battle has begun, since these expose videos have come out, what has happened to Disney stock? Oh, it's tanked. I mean, it's been poorly performing. Yeah, it's down like what forty one percent at the end of the yeah. Season? Well, that, that's, that's even more now. I guess after yesterday, the last time I looked, it was thirty five percent. But you're right. I mean, it's just yeah, in the tank. It's in the tank, and I know. And this is for me personally. I mean, we we canceled Disney Plus. The, and and there are there are um, and I actually wrote about it on on Newstalk STL. But there was there was it's one thing to know that they are making programming that you disagree with because the reality is it's a broad based streaming service and we're pretty conservative people they're going to be making co- content we disagree with right, right. It, it's just we know that but well they say know, they're going they, to they haven't yet um well, max no, oh, keeps making have. that point with me they haven't oh, done it yet they haven't pulled oh, the trigger oh they have oh they have well what, what's the evidence? Uh, let's, let's, um, uh, uh, well, turning red. Watch that. Uh, it's, it's the latest Disney streaming thing. And it's a, it's about, um, it, it's, it's about a, a young girl who is going through adolescence. And whenever she gets emotionally charged, she morphs into a panda. <laughs> and I, I mean, and it's it's comical. I mean, it's it's a comical thing. But the the underlying themes you can look at the reviews. The underlying themes are that parents are stupid; they can't possibly understand what teens are going through, Ooh. and their Ooh. views are their views are not broad or liberal enough to accept you as you are. And there's even a line in the movie that's like, "Mom, my panda, my choice." Like, oh, so it, it undermines parental authority. I yes. see. I see. And yes. and they well, they've been doing that for decades. I mean, how many how many shows are out there where the parents are stupid and the kids are smart and everything works out in the end? And yeah, they all they all marginally love each other, but at the end of the day, it's the kids who save the day because the parents are idiots. Yeah. Hey, uh, you know, we have a caller who wants to weigh in, Virginia, real quick. Let's get sure. caller Joe on the line to enter the discussion real quickly. Go. Go, Joe. Thanks. Thanks, Randy. And good morning, everyone. Uh, far be it for me to, to upstage Virginia here. I, I'm in total agreement with her. And, and and for the record, and your call screener will validate this, I called before Virginia's segment. I was essentially going to say the same thing. I think that 
that that Florida, Max, love you, man, but Florida is in the catbird seat here. And this yep. is a masterstroke move from DeSantis. And basically, keep in mind that they have until June of 2023 to reconcile if you will okay that's that's when this the the tax district uh special treatment is removed so basically disney is on the hot seat from now for about another 14 months and they can figure out whether they want to be nice and they want to be accommodating and they want to say the heck out of politics in florida and elsewhere or they can lose their special tax status okay good their choice hey thanks joe that's another thing have time to change this and uh, Ben Ben Shapiro said this the other day on his podcast, and it's got he's got a couple tweets of, about it too, where he said basically, look, if you want to be an entertainment company, you can make entertainment. You can make entertainment. We disagree with. We will we will either subscribe to your content or not. You know, but if you want to jump out of your lane and engage in politics and attack the politics of other people in your state, expect the legislative two by four that's coming. Yeah. Well, I, it's an interesting battle. And I, I think in this climate, I, I believe we can we can justify this on principle. I mean, we didn't fire the we, meaning the conservative traditional mm-hmm. values right, didn't fire the first shot in this in this battle. We were tolerant. We don't care who's serving us at the restaurant. We don't care, you know, right. color, gender. Identity. We don't really care. Leave You know, we just want people to. But. When you start getting activists and start getting into politics and therefore manipulating the culture and the politics of the state, it's a different story yeah. and you lose your special privilege. So, and Max, are is- you getting beat up there? I don't see any blood yet. I don't know. No, no, no. You know, I, I, Virginia makes a great point when she talks about how uh, Shapek wanted Disney to rally and have all of their lobbyists kind of fight back because that's something right. that we that we hadn't talked about because I right, we hadn't again, gotten there yet. I am unco- uncomfortable with uh, a punitive move from a politician against a company, no matter how big they are. But yeah. Virginia, again, brings up a great point that Disney has a lot of power, a lot of clout. And if they're openly saying we're going to lobby against you, then, yes, the governor has the right to do what he wants to do. I still think it's a bad idea. Now, we, all, we only have a minute and a half left here, Virginia, but I want to ask your opinion. Uh, in the last segment, Max, you said that it's an interesting question about when you're when you're um, choosing which entertainment to look at. Do you you said I don't vet the the performer, right? And I agree with you. I don't go looking no, for a performer's politics. But if a politician, if a performer is overtly pushing that as part of their show, as part of their shtick, they're out there. Then I, I flip. I go the other way and I try to avoid them then at that point. So it's a, if it's a, again, it's the differential of how proactive and how aggressive is the performer in pushing their agenda uh, versus me going out and looking, digging into their politics. I don't I don't make a choice on that. Virginia, where do you stand? We just have uh, right. a minute left. If, if the agenda is being pushed in the content, then I then I will probably avoid it. Um, but but we're talking about like, uh, I'll give you an example. There's a movie uh, <laughs> and this will date me pretty well. Um, but uh, The Patriot with Mel Gibson, the, the yeah. Revolutionary War drama. They were filming that down the street from where I was training when I was in in uh, in Army basic training. And it came out in, um, what, 2000, I think? Uh, Just a minute here. Some, mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, I love that movie. I go back and watch that movie. Do I agree with everything Mel Gibson stands for? No, but I don't care because the movie's great. Um, uh-huh. 
if he were promoting a specific stance in the movie, I might feel differently. Okay. That's yeah. kind of where I am. And like if that. I paid $150 for a show ticket, for a concert ticket, and the performer right. came out there and started billowing about, you know, whatever the woke agenda they had, I'd have a problem. Virginia, this was fun. Thanks for uh, getting yep. really into the weeds there, very importantly, about the politics of Disney. And that's the biggest cudgel, I guess, that justifies DeSantis and the legislature. Great, uh, great work. Yep. Thanks again. And we follow all your work, both on News Talk STL and, of course, on The Daily Wire. Thanks, Virginia. Have a great weekend. You too.